Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 19. Acts 19. We're going to be looking at just seven verses this morning. Acts chapter 19. Trucking along through the book of Acts, we are almost done. Probably got another year or two in it, and then we'll be finished. We don't have that much left. Maybe six months. We'll see. But almost through. I can't believe we're already in chapter 19. Feels like a year and a half ago we started in Acts chapter 1, which is true. And it's been good. I hope it's been good for you. Um, For those of you that have not learned or caught on yet, I love taking it slow through these books. I want to dig deep. I want to mine the treasures. I want to see what every verse, what every chapter, every passage has to say. And I hope that through this, you gain a desire for that. Um, Every word bleeds the name of Jesus. And that's what I want us to see. So Acts 19, verses 1 through 7. If you're there, say word. Word. That's awesome. Go ahead and stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. And God, we pray that you would help us to learn and to be reminded of the truth that you have within this word. God, we just heard the ambulance go by. We pray that you would be with them and whatever the situation is there, you are sovereign. You know what's going on. We pray that your hand will be on that. But use us this morning. Use me as you see fit to bring this message that you have. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So today's 4th of July, right? And it's kind of weird because in, in Oakboro, 4th of July is real big. But in our small town, we don't do anything when 4th of July falls on Sunday. And uh, I'm thankful for that because it would be hard to compete with Sunday morning worship and then the parade right down the street. Um, but here, 4th of July, we are reminded of the freedom that we have living in the country that we live in. And we have freedoms in this country, and we should be thankful for these freedoms in this country. The freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, the freedom to bear arms. I mean, we have those freedoms here. And we should never take those freedoms for granted. Abraham Lincoln, September 22nd, 1862, wrote the Emancipation Proclamation. And it wasn't until January 1st, 1863, that this Emancipation Proclamation took effect. And what this proclamation did was it freed all the slaves in the Confederacy. 
Well, those slaves did not have Twitter and Instagram and social media, text messages. They didn't know, most of them did not know that the Emancipation Proclamation had passed. So interesting enough, a lot of soldiers had to carry a copy of the Emancipation Proclamation with them so that when they came across slaves that were still in captivity, they were able to show them that there is freedom. Now we as believers in Christ are not, we, we can see that and we can even sympathize with the fact that we are called as a people who are freed to bear a message to people in captivity of sin that there is a gospel, a message for freedom. Now we, as we have already said, live in a country where we have freedom, but understand that there is no greater freedom in this world, in our life, than freedom found in Jesus Christ. And we have that gospel message to proclaim, to share to the world. Paul comes across these disciples in Ephesus and he asks them a question. He says, into what baptism, into what then were you baptized? And they tell them into John's baptism. And so Paul ends up showing them what true Christianity looks like. So here's the main idea I have for you this morning is this. True Christianity is a trust in Christ for the sake of salvation. True Christianity is a trust in Christ for the sake of salvation. That's what true Christianity is. Now we in America, we, because of our freedom of religion, I will say that clearly. Us. I wholeheartedly believe it is because of our freedom of religion, we have what is known as a nominal Christianity. A Christianity in which it is by name alone. A Christianity in which we have not solely given our lives to Christ. Everybody and their mama in the Bible Belt is a Christian. Am I right? Because they went to Awana when they were younger and walked the aisle and prayed a prayer. Or because their parents had raised them and told them that's what they were. There is this mentality of, I'm a Christian because I was taught these things. But, there was, but there's, there's something missing. Uh, uh, Al Mohler in his commentary on this passage called it an almost Christianity. We... We've, we've got the knowledge, but we have not given our lives to it. We've not repented of our sin and turned to Christ. We only know of the information, but we have not experienced that transformation. So Paul is here in Ephesus and he comes across these disciples who they are not Christians. They call themselves disciples. They have, they have come into the baptism of John, which Paul says was a baptism of repentance that pointed to Jesus. And what does Paul do? He shows them where to go now. So I've got three things for you this morning. Three things. And I know we have a lot to do in this service. So three things. 
True Christianity, number one, is believing in the person of Christ. It's believing in the person of Christ. It is, it is, it is putting a, a faith and a trust in who Christ is and what Christ has done. Paul shows us this as he's talking to these disciples. He tells them in verse 4 after they responded. He, he says, John baptized with the baptism of repentance... Telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. Paul is basically telling them, if you truly were disciples of John, you would know about Jesus. But they didn't even know about the Spirit. And what that, what that really means is, is they didn't know that the Spirit had come. So Paul was telling them that we are to believe in the person of Christ. That's what John the Baptist pointed to. That we are to believe in Christ and who he is in what he has done. What, is that, what does that look like when we are to believe in the person of Jesus Christ? What does that look like? First, it's a repentance of our sin. We, we, we're turning from our sin. Even Paul mentions this, that John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Where it was a, it was a repenting of sin. And that is what believing in Christ is. We turn from the things that killed our Savior on the cross. We repent of our sin. And to hold on to that sin is like slapping Jesus in the face while spitting on him as he's hanging on the cross. I know that sounds graphic, but we have to realize what sin is. When we hold on to that sin after we've been told it is sin, we're basically telling Jesus, I see what you've done for me. But right now I'm liking this a little better. And that's horrible. If we truly are to believe in the person of Christ, we need to turn from the sin that hung him on the cross. And when we turn from the sin that hung him on the cross, it is a turning from sin and a turning to the Savior. We stop pursuing our sin and we start pursuing Christ. When, when I got married to my wife, I hung up my bachelor attitude. There was no more women in my life. I mean, it was before I, it was when I was dating her too, but you know what I'm saying? Like she's the one. There is nobody else. When we turn to Christ, we need to realize he is our savior. We do not need these other worldly pleasures to find satisfaction when true satisfaction is found in Christ. True Christianity is a trust in Christ. A trust in what? In what he's done for us. First Peter tells us that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He took our sin on the cross. He became in our place the guilty one. Second Corinthians 521 for God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are called to believe in the person and the works of Christ. 
what he's done. And when that happens, church, it changes our lives. It should. It should change the very foundation of our souls when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When when I saw my wife walk down the aisle for the first time, the only time, when she started coming down, my eyes looked straight at her and there was nobody else that I could see. We had a lot of people at our wedding. People came off the street because we did it in somebody's backyard and people were just watching us, but nobody else was there. When we turn to Christ, when we look to Christ as our Savior, our eyes are on Him and Him alone. We are called to that. Paul is telling these disciples that they are to believe in the one who has come after John the Baptist. They're not to believe in John the Baptist. They're to believe in Jesus Christ. They're to trust in Him. We're just saying He is worthy. He is worthy. Revelation 5 tells us that he is worthy. Tells us, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. The voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the one who came and died for our sins, who took our filth on the cross, who was undeserving of what happened on the cross. But yet he did it anyway. True Christianity is believing in the person of Christ, not believing in anybody else. Not a trust in any other religion. All roads lead to heaven, but it's all roads lead to you're going to face judgment. Only one road leads to an eternity with Christ. And that is Christ. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We're going to see baptisms here and we're getting to that here shortly too. But we're about to see baptisms of people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the only way. It is faith alone, by grace alone, that we may be saved. It is not faith in works. It is not, I should believe and I should do these things. It is believing on the person in the work of Jesus Christ. That's where true Christianity comes from. And just because you are, you are an American, it does not make you a Christian. And just because you are a Republican, it does not make you a Christian. Can I say that? Our faith is not in a, in a political party. Our faith is not in a president. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. And that gives me hope on an Independence Day in 2021. Because my king is on the throne. It doesn't matter who's in White House. It doesn't matter who is, in, who is our governor. It doesn't matter who is, who, who is leading our country. Christ is king and Lord and is sovereign and is ruling and reigning and is accomplishing all the purposes he's setting out to accomplish because my king cannot fail. That's who I trust in. And that's who I'm calling you to trust in. 
True Christianity is trusting in Christ. So are you trusting in him this morning? Let's move on. We believe in the person of of Christ. Number two, not only that, but it is a baptism in the name of Christ. True Christianity is a baptism in the name of Christ. Now, let me preface this point by saying this. Baptism does not save us. Baptism does not save us. We do not go into those waters expecting to come out redeemed. That does not save us. Baptism does not wash away our sins. Not this baptism. This baptism is a sign and a symbol of what Christ has done for us. Look at verse 5. In hearing this, they, the disciples, who were baptized in the name of John, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I wear a wedding band. I used to wear those uh, rubber ones. I know a lot of you guys wear those uh, because y'all do a lot of manual labor. I don't. Um, and so, but y'all wear the rubber ones so you don't get your real ones damaged, which is great. I used to wear the, the rubber ones. This is just preference. I changed back to my metal one. And the reason why is I want to feel the weight of it. I want to feel that this is a serious matter. My wedding band, when I put it on, does not save me. I'm sorry. Does not make me married, right? Does not make me married. Um, the, what my wedding band, when I put it on, it shows that I am married. It's a symbol of the vows and the commitment that I have made to my wife. Now, we have to realize that with baptism, that's what that is. It is a sign and a symbol of what Christ has done for us and of our dying to ourselves and being raised to new life in, in, in him. When you see people come up here in just a little bit and you see them go down into the water and come back up, that is a great picture of us dying to ourselves and then rising to new life in Christ, which is what we have done. That is what, that's what we believe in. When we put our faith and trust in Christ, we are dying to ourselves and to our sin daily. Where we have turned from that. We, the old self is dead. We are now a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And so baptism is us declaring to the world, declaring to the church that we are a new creation. And so hear me say this. Baptism is there is nothing magical about baptism. Baptism is a symbol of what of our commitment that we have made with Christ, that we've died to ourselves and are living in new life to him. And it's an act of obedience. See, a lot of people don't realize that. Here at Red Cross, we encourage people not to take the Lord's Supper unless they've been baptized. Why is that? Baptism should be your first act of obedience when coming to faith in Christ. How can you take communion if you've not first been baptized into the church? How can you take of communion with the church body if you are not first baptized into it? Baptism in the name of Christ. That's what true Christianity is. And not only baptism in the name of Christ, but thirdly, true Christianity is being filled with the spirit of Christ. 
being filled with the spirit of Christ. Now I know across de- denominations, there's a, there's a mixture of beliefs that comes with this. Look at verse six. After they had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, Paul had laid his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in, in tongues and prophesying. Now this is the Ephesian Pentecost is what some of my sources have, have, have called it. We saw this earlier in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit has come down and there were like tongues of fire. Here we see it happening again where the Holy Spirit has come down on these men and they are speaking in tongues and they are prophesying. Understand this church. Understand that this is in the context of apostolic ministry. This is a time before we had the full canon of the Bible. This is a time when there was a necessariness to prophesying. But now, because we have this book, the full canon of Scripture, there is no need for a new word from God. Because there can't be a new word from God. God has already spoken to us. But what we do see here is we see that in salvation, this, this, is, this is a sign that Christ has come into their lives and they're being transformed. This is a sign that they're saved now. But this is also a sign for us in which when we come to know Christ, we are now filled with the Spirit. I'm not talking about prophesying and speaking in tongues. I'm talking about conviction and encouragement and strength. I'm talking about the presence of Christ with us. Christ tells us in John that it is good for him to go because the spirit should come. Why? The spirit's good for us. He's, he is ever present with us. He guides us. He leads us. He convicts us of our sin. He encourages and empowers us to overcome all things. It is because of the spirit within our lives that we can face a hostile nature, a a hostile nation and a, 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 a place in which people hate us. It is because of the Spirit's work in our lives that we are able to overcome these things and that we can face a dark world. Church, we need to be filled with the Spirit of Christ. And that, that, that spiritual feeling comes when we give our life to Him. So, have you been filled with the Spirit of Christ? What, is that, what, what does that look like? When you sin, are you convicted of it? Not because you have a guilty conscience. I have a guilty conscience. You can ask my parents. I couldn't get away with nothing. Because when I did something wrong, I had to go confess it. But we see, though, that when we're filled with the Spirit, conviction is not a guilty conscience that we've done something wrong. It's a guilty conscience in that we've offended a holy God and that we have sinned and disobeyed. Being filled with the spirit is a joy of all things that no matter what circumstances may come our way, recognizing and knowing that Christ is Lord of all the spirit gives us joy in those things. Being filled with the spirit is a way to provide us encouragement and empowerment when we need it. Even scripture tells us that being filled with the spirit, the spirit brings words to our mouth when we're in conversations with people who are sharing the gospel with them or even providing a defense of the gospel. The spirit works within us. So if we want to see what true Christianity is, 
True Christianity is believing in the person of Christ, is a baptism in the name of Christ, and is being filled with the Spirit of Christ. Now, the believing in the person of Christ is what saves us. The baptism in the name of Christ and the being filled with the Spirit of Christ is what follows. Do you hear me say that? These last two things don't save us. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone is what saves us. So, have you experienced true Christianity this morning? Or are you, do you maybe feel like you have been one of these nominal Christians? One of these people who are just kind of floating by. I've only been, been attending church because I was raised to do so. Because I feel like my church attendance makes God happy. Understand that your good works do not cause God to love you more than he already loves you through, through Jesus Christ. And understand that your sin does not cause God to love you less than he loves you right now through Jesus Christ. Have you put your faith and trust in Christ? Paul has encountered these disciples and he shows them who Jesus is, baptizes them in the name of Jesus Christ, and then by laying on of hands, they are filled with the Spirit of Christ. Has that happened in your life? Can you tell? I pray that it has. Here in just a minute, we're going to see this has already happened in the lives of certain people within this room. Many of you have already gone through this. Many of you have already given your lives to Christ. You've been baptized and you are living a spirit-filled life by living in obedience and trust and living in a Living a life that exemplifies and glorifies and expresses the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that, if that's you, that's awesome. If it's not, I think it's time we talk to God for a little bit. See what's up. Is there sin that you're holding on to? Do you feel like maybe you need to let go of it? Turn to Jesus, the one who has saved us from our sins, the one who can save us from our sin. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. There's grace at the foot of the cross. True Christianity is trusting in Christ for the sake of salvation. Have you done that today? Let's pray. Father God, you are so good and gracious and merciful. I pray, Lord, that as we go into this time of witnessing these baptisms, of witnessing your work in the lives of your people, I pray, Lord, that it would encourage us. I pray, God, that we would be reminded of the joy that you've given us through our salvation. I pray, God, that you would strengthen us through your spirit this morning as we are living in dark days. God, help us Help us to live a Christ-centered life, one that trusts in Christ for the sake of our salvation. We ask all this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.